This is the Dive Bomb Squadcast, presented by Dive Bomb Industries. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Dive Bomb Squadcast. Thank you for joining us today. I'm your host, Asher Tolliver. Where's the time going? I absolutely cannot believe it's already April. Can't say I'm mad about it because I love this time of year, but we're going to look up and it's going to be time to start preparing for the fall waterfowl season. I'm just going to do my best to live in the moment and enjoy each day and what it brings. And today brings a conversation with a good friend of Dive Bomb Industries, an inspirational figure to women in the outdoor industry, Miss Danielle Halverson. Danielle, what's up? Oh, not much. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm uh, just enjoying this beautiful spring weather here in central Arkansas. You know, it's been so nice since the time change, having that extra time in the evening for a little outdoor recreation. Uh, you know, I know you've been spending a lot of time on the road. Where are you joining me from today? Um, right now I'm back home in Wisconsin until tomorrow morning, actually. Okay. Now, where is home in Wisconsin for you? Um, Southwest Wisconsin, kind of. Southwest. You brought about it. Okay. Born and raised there? Born and raised. Now, is that... Is Madison around Southwest Wisconsin? Yeah, I live about an hour from Madison. Okay. Madison's really the only experience I have with Wisconsin. Uh, Our guys went out there this year and hunted. I did not make that trip, but Cade and Forrest, I believe it was, they went out to Wisconsin in, I want to say, October. So I've never hunted in the state of Wisconsin, but... Might have to change that sometime. Um, Now, Danielle, you've got some pretty good sized social media followings. I was looking earlier. You've got nearly 67,000 followers on the gram and you've got over 267,000 on TikTok. So can you tell us a little bit about your background? How old were you when you got into hunting? Who's responsible for lighting that fire how did all this stuff get started um, so it goes like way back when i was six months old my dad and my grandpa started taking me coon hunting with them um they throw me in their little baby backpack or whatever and i was running around the woods and i grew up small game hunting and duck hunting a lot i lived down in the down by the river bottoms on the wisconsin river okay and then it just spelled the deer hunting and I dropped out of college after three days to be a mule deer guide, and I've been on the road the last six years. Wow. So where were you going to college? Um, I was going to tech school at Southwest Tech in Wisconsin. I was supposed to go play college softball, but decided that hunting was more important. Okay. So you showed up on campus, you spent a few days there, and you just said, this is not the life for me? Right. I mean, they don't give you the best hours to accommodate a hunting schedule. Right. Well, you know, when you're practicing in the fall and uh, you're getting ready for the spring, so a lot of your, you know, your practices, meetings, workouts, everything goes on, you know, people just assume, you know, when they think of baseball, softball, they're like, oh, well, spring and summer, it's perfect for, you know, a hunter. But the reality is that's the time of year that you do all the preparation naturally getting ready for the spring. So 
all the work that goes in. If you if you're a really great hunter and you're not spending any time, you're probably not going to be very good in the spring and your scholarship or whatever else you've got probably isn't going to last too long if you're spending a lot of time hunting. So while the seasons are, you know, definitely polar opposite and it worked pretty good for me playing baseball, but professionally I was able to kind of work my own schedule. Uh, but college, yeah. whenever you're dealing with classes and then you go to class all day and then you've got to go to practice, you practice till dark, that doesn't leave a whole lot of time for scouting and hunting. So, um, right. or anything really for that matter. I mean, honestly, it is, it does become your new life, your time and all your effort and attention has to go into it. And you've got to decide what you want to do. And it sounds like you made up your mind very quickly. <laughs> uh, well, when you like look at it, I guess from my perspective, I could have went to university and, you know, played softball for four years, but I mean, where's softball really going to take you in life? You know, sure. I didn't want to necessarily, I didn't know what I wanted to go for. So then right. that's why I ended up getting rid of that deal and going to tech school for three days and orientation week just was not for me, I guess. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, everything's worked out fine. So it looks like you made a good decision. Now, a lot of folks that follow on social media, they see you go place to place hunting all the time. And, you know, they're probably curious about how you can travel all the time. Do you mind sharing what you do for work? Sure. So um, previous to this last year, my parents owned three companies and I would do all of their online books and stuff. So I could okay. pretty much do that from anywhere. And I've managed a few social media accounts, have some, you know, sponsored paid deals and stuff. And then I was guiding in the fall. And then last summer, I randomly accidentally started a clothing brand. And I pretty much just grind that out when I'm home. I'll come home every, like, as often as I can, really. And I'll get all the orders sent out. And then I'll just go back on the road for a little bit and go do what makes me happy. That's awesome. Now, what's the name of your company? It's High Country Clothing Co. Okay. And where can we find you? You can find me um, on Instagram, on Facebook. And then my website is www.highcountryclothingco.com. Awesome. And I pretty much focus my brand on like lifestyle hunting apparel. Sure. I try to come up with designs that can be worn in the field and then, you know. Casual. Look casual. cool casually as well. Yeah. So do you have any long-term goals with, with your clothing company or is it just kind of something where you say, well, let's, let's just see where this thing takes us. Well, in the beginning, I didn't really know that it would become what it has. I just, I've had it for four and a half months and I just sent out my 1500 order last night. Wow. So, I see on my agenda of things to do next week is I have to sure. sit down and come up with the new designs that I want to release within the next year before this fall comes and get everything figured Definitely. out. Ordered That's awesome. A lot more work than it looks. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I handle a lot of that side with Dive Bomb and, you know, there's a lot of people, they just don't know. They, they just think you're just slapping ink down on a shirt and it's like, man, if you had any idea of the process that went behind the artwork, getting the, the artwork fine-tuned, getting it just right with 
the right colors on the right colored shirt, you know, and the steps through going through, getting it printed, assessing for quality control, you know, forecasting for how much you're going to sell. It's just, there's a lot more that goes into it and say, Hey, that looks cool. And, and don't get me wrong. You could, you could take just some generic crappy design and slap it down on a shirt and make it probably as simple as what most people think. But if you want to do it right, Mm -hmm. then there's a lot more work that goes into it than just saying, Oh, that looks neat. Let me just pick something out on the internet and turn that into a shirt. It doesn't really exactly work like that. And then you start thinking about uh, time in advance of when this shirt or this design is going to be hot. You know, like if you if you decide to come up with a say a let's just say a teal shirt. Um, you know, obviously a hot month to sell a teal shirt would be in August and September. So, what happens if September gets there and you're like, hey, maybe we should have a teal shirt. Well, next thing you know, by the time you actually get that shirt and, you know, that you had the idea for in September, it's probably November and those shirts aren't going to be nearly as hot as what they would have been if you would have got them ready in, say, April, May and had them ready for uh, August so people can start getting fired up about teal season. So you're definitely right. I totally understand that there is a lot more that goes into it. And then when you just start talking about fulfilling orders, especially when you start doing that on your own and making sure you're doing it properly, making sure it looks clean, the sizes are right, attention to detail, going to the right addresses. It is a lot of work and it sounds like you're doing quite a lot of volume. So congratulations on that. That's great. Yeah, I'm trying. I try to keep really high quality, you know, brands that way. I mean, I mean, you could get the cheap shirts. You can have made, you know, for three dollars. But sure. at the end of the day, you next batch in the first two days, you never wear it again. Right. What's your long term? You know, if if everybody buys it and then it, they realize it's crappy. How many, you know, at least the quality. How many people is going to come back and spend their money with you again? Probably not very good. So you can spend more money up front, charge a little bit more for it. But the reality is, people, you know, they will pay for something that they're going to wear. You know, but if you put something out there, they buy it and they say, eh, these aren't any good. Well, all of a sudden a business that you maybe start planning a little bit long-term for five years, 10 years, if everything goes great, you know, even longer, then all of a sudden it, you know, it fizzles out before it ever gets off the ground. So looks like you're going in the right direction. That's awesome. So far we're so good. <laughs> That's great. Now I want to switch gears for a minute. What, what are your thoughts on the huntresses? that really aren't huntresses at all. And by that, I mean, if they were left on their own to carry out a successful waterfowl or big game hunt, they wouldn't know where to start. The ones that don't contribute to the hunt in any way and rely solely on the hard work, preparation, and equipment of others. But you can bet your ass they will be all in for the pile picks or hero shots when that time comes. Yeah, you're going to get me going now. (laughs) Huntress is my least favorite word in the world, for starters. Um, To me, there's just hunters, right? I mean, we don't need to categorize ourselves as female hunters. Mm -hmm. We're all one. And um, it really really bothers me just for the mere fact that it makes other people 
look at the girls who are actually putting in the effort a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, like me, I can go hunt a mule deer by myself on public land, not need anyone, be successful. When it comes to waterfowl hunting, I, I can't bow a call. I won't lie to you. I cannot grasp the concept. But I show up to the field. I help set the spread. I do everything I'm asked, everything I'm told. Put my hand. I do the pictures. I help out. I can shoot straight for the most part. You know, I make myself part of the team. And there's a majority of the time where, like, if I post a pile picture, me and all the boys are going to be in it. I'm not, you know, the selfish one who says, oh, just take it with me. I need to pretend like, you know, you guys weren't here to help me. That really grinds my gears, too, because I feel like if you're going to, I don't want to say use people because it's not really the best terminology, mm-hmm. but if you're going to be a part of something like a group hunt like that, it bugs me when people act like, you know, the guys that did all the work weren't there, if sure. that makes any sense. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, you're just saying you don't have to be an expert at everything. You don't have to be an expert caller. You don't have to be an expert at decoy placement or reading birds and and a marksman on the gun, Um, have the greatest dog in the world. But basically what you're saying is you're just saying contribute. You're saying lend a hand, be a part of the hunt, get out, set out decoys. If you don't know something, ask questions, because I'm going to be honest with you. Like when I'm hunting with world champions, I don't, I don't blow a call. There's no need. Me, me getting on the call is not going to change the outcome of a hunt whenever we have guys of that caliber hunting with us. So it doesn't even necessarily go down to having the ability to be an expert in all these areas. I think it's just willing to contribute with whatever you can contribute based on your skill level. Like for Forrest and Kyle, if they can contribute being the best callers, that's what they can do. If I can contribute helping brush blinds, then I'll help brush blinds. If I can help contribute to set out a spread, I'll set out a spread. Um, But I think it's like you said, it's kind of the ones it's like, all right, you know, I'm going to, you know, hop in this pick real fast. I'm going to pull my cleavage out and Mm -hmm. see if I can get a whole bunch of likes out of this thing. That's, that's basically what you're saying is those are the ones that are given the ones that are actually given an effort to learn these things, be a part of the hunt, do things the right way, a bad name. Yeah. Like I got a funny story for you. I'll make it short and sweet. The first oh, you can give us a long version if you want. <laughs> I can make it short. So the first time I ever went snow goose hunting, it was on an all girls hunt and it was, my last all-girls hunt, my first and last. Um, we didn't kill anything. I mean, the conditions, they were just not it. I went back to the same place a week later by myself, and we killed, you know, 300 birds in two days. But since we didn't kill any birds, and they had, you know, their Instagram followers, they called someone to bring in three-day-old snow geese to take pictures with. Yeah, that ain't that it. <laughs> yeah. That ain't it at all. Um, no. And, you know, people, I mean, if you know what you're talking about, you can see through that. I see through the, I see through a lot of it, I'd like to think. I look rough all the time. I tell you, I don't sleep. 
I hardly eat when I'm on the road. Like, I will go three days without sleep if I have to, but I will show up to the field ready to help set it. Sure. You're not just going to roll up and load your gun, take the pick, and roll out. No. A majority of the time, like this year, this spring, actually, my good friends own an outfitter in Illinois and South Dakota, and I hardly even loaded my gun. I booked out clients for them to hunt with, you know, us and. It was more so about them having a good time than me. I mean, I like to shoot birds, don't get me wrong, but I love bringing other people into it who haven't done it before, whether it's birds or deer or anything. Like, you show an interest and you want to learn things. I love that. I mean, I didn't know anything about Kenobi's hunting six years ago, but now I could probably tell you some pretty good tips just because I pay so much attention. Definitely. And like you said, when people get to talking – you can tell within seriously within 60 seconds of talking to somebody about anything outdoor related, whether the topic is waterfowl hunting, big game hunting, conservation, guns. You can tell if somebody is a part of it or they're not. And if it's something that, that somebody doesn't know that much about, but it's genuine, they'll be like, hey, you know, honestly, I, I, I don't really, me, for example, I grew up in Arkansas. Like I can, I can shoot a Matthews very well, but could I go out and go out West and kill a mule deer on my own without some help to get myself going? No, probably not. But I wouldn't portray myself on social media. What I would do is I would call a friend and say, hey, I bow hunt whitetail. This this game out here is new to me. Uh, I want to learn some stuff. Can you teach me some things? Can you show me the way so I can go out here and give myself the best chance at being successful? Because this is just kind of new to me. And same thing even for waterfowling, when you just get to different species. Gosh, I hunt with guys that are absolutely lights out, maybe uh, speckle belly hunters. And they would you know, greatly struggle, say, if they went to, uh, I don't know, West Texas and hunted a huge feed of lessers, you know, consistently, maybe uh, somebody that's a really, really good duck hunter. But then you said, hey, you got to go down to uh, Arkansas and kill some snow geese in the spring. And there's nothing wrong with that. Nobody has to be an expert in all areas. I mean, you can consult with people that are the best at what they do. And don't get me wrong, there's some guys they can They can do all of them all the way across the board and never miss a beat. But the reality is make it genuine, you know, make it, um, make it known that you're not a know-it-all. You're not a big blowhard in that you're genuinely wanting to learn a different niche or a different style of hunting or a different species. You know, I think that's the biggest thing is just, it's not that they are, you know, taking pictures, going all over the place, but it's just the fact that they try to come off as experts at all of them. When the reality is, it's like you literally had nothing to do with that. And social media has, I wouldn't say, I would never say it's ruined hunting because it has made more connections for people than, you know, we could make if we didn't have it. But to an extent, it has, I would say idolized people who are just a pretty face. Sure. You know, like we got people that are sponsored by 
let's say, a call company, but they have 100,000 followers on TikTok and they've never made a video outside of their living room. It just kind of, I don't know. I'm not a marketing director, but it gives a bad opinion in my, like, I guess in my opinion, it doesn't look very good because we're idolizing people who aren't even trying to be out in the field or trying to learn new things. You know, they might go hunt with a guide one time a year, which there's absolutely nothing wrong with that, but don't act like that wasn't what you were doing, if that makes sense. Sure. You know, and this isn't limited to just the huntresses either. I mean, there are dudes all over social media that portray themselves as the baddest killers on the planet that are complete topwaters in reality. So I don't want to single out the huntresses. They just take the most heat because of their look. Certainly nothing wrong with being pretty because we all love pretty. But the fact is there is a stigma attached to pretty girls and hunting and that it's mostly smoke and mirrors. So what advice would you give to women in the outdoor industry that are trying to separate themselves from the fake ones that want to be respected by doing things the right way? Honestly, I would say, I mean, my online personality, I'm pretty much myself. I'm very blunt, honest. I would advise that to not even just women, but anyone. I feel like a lot of people, because they're concerned about what everyone's going to think, try to sugarcoat things and don't 100% say what they're thinking or say what they know because they're worried about the repercussions. Um, I mean, I want everyone to be involved in hunting. I want them to do it because they love it, not because they can get a few likes or, you know, a little bit of cash on the side. I would say just 100% be genuine and be yourself. Forget the two pounds of lipstick to wake up at 4 a.m. and go take a selfie, you know. You don't need all that. People like the genuine part of it. I get messages all the time about how they follow me and I'm their favorite online, I guess, female hunter just because I'm so genuine and honest like I'll tell you if I don't know how to kill a mallard or I'll tell you my advice on how to go you know hunt whitetail don't limit yourself to what you think the internet wants you to be I think that's good advice I think it's also time that we put you on uh the dot bomb squad cast hot seat are you ready I think so all right who's your favorite follow on the gram that I follow or that follows me? Yeah, your favorite your favorite follow that you follow. Ooh, that's a good question. Um, You know, you always kind of find yourself looking at their stuff, watching their stories. Shoot, I don't know if I have an answer to that. I like, I mean, I like a lot of people. Who's like, a couple examples of some people you like following? It can be celebrities or uh, country music artists or anybody, really. I was looking at Shania Twain's uh, Instagram last night. I was kind of curious. I, my daughter was watching an old video, and I was like, man, Shania Twain, boy, she was just hot before hot was even a thing. And uh, now nah, there's definitely was hot before her. But but for me in, in my era, she was. And I was like, man, I need to look at her Instagram. Let's see how she's how she, how is she aging. Um, but yeah, that's that's totally off topic. But uh, yeah, favorite follow on the ground. Shoot. Um, I'm trying to 
trying to think. You put me on the hot spot for sure. That's right. I'm trying to think of uh, ooh, this might take me for all day. Um, well, we can come back to it if you think of it. Yeah, let's come back to that. Well, this one might not be any easier. What female in the outdoor industry do you look up to the most? say my good friend Sydney Wells just because I've spent a lot of time hunting and fishing with her and she is definitely the most genuine outdoor female that I have spent time with okay what is your go-to energy drink when you're really really dragging ass so I just tried started trying these new ones a couple months ago and they're called Blake Star they don't have them at the gas station though you have to get them online okay but I kid you not, they work better than any energy drink I've ever bought at a gas station. And I'm a caffeine addict, so that was good advice for me. I, um, you know, forever I've just been like a OG Red Bull guy. And we were in um, uh, Nebraska, and they were getting these, uh, geez, what were they called? Not bang. Rain. uh, Rain. Rain's what it was. And uh, they they kept talking about this uh, white gummy bear flavor. Cause I had tried other rains and I was like, ah, these are trash. They're not good. And, um, you know, I actually really enjoyed that. Um, you know, so I can see myself mixing it up a little bit, but the white gum, I didn't like any of the other ones. They had a peach fizz and they had a, like one that was kind of lime green. They had one that was, you know, I can't even remember all the flavors, but that white gummy bear flavor, I kind of enjoyed that. So I don't know if it'll replace a, you know, just the OG Red Bull for me, but I kind of liked it. So we'll see. Maybe I'll start drinking a few more rains. Last but not least, what is the most ridiculous thing somebody has ever said to you on social media? Oh my gosh. I'm sure there's a lot of them, but is there any that stick out? Yeah. I mean, there's people who, okay. So the other day, this one, I mean, I've gotten asked for like, people to buy pictures in my feet before which is very weird that's weird but weirder than that a guy the other day wanted to buy pictures of the back of my hand what like why (laughs) he wanted picture he wanted to buy pictures of the back of your hands yeah like what would possess i don't know what do you even do with that i mean that's i don't know that's pretty weird that is pretty yeah i don't know that's like next level weird do you ever get worried being like you're off the hot seat that wasn't too bad was it no that wasn't okay <laughs> do you ever get worried you know if you're you're female um you do a lot of traveling go place to place and you know i'm sure obviously you carry a pistol but do you ever get worried or nervous you know about people are weird i mean i mean come on you got people asking for a picture of your feet in the back of your hands these are you know there's people capable of doing some some crazy things we see it all the time you know we had one not too long ago a, a you know cute little real estate agent you know disappeared and you know does stuff like that ever you know worry you traveling around being a female um you know these just creeper types well Yes and no. Like, it's gotten weird to where I've had people DM me pictures of, like, my truck driving down the interstate. 
which is a little strange. I won't lie. I don't like that. So if you're thinking about doing it, please don't. Um, but for the most part, I mean, I spent a little extra money to stay in like safer places, right? Like when I was out in Nebraska all fall, I mean, I stayed at the Holiday Inn, not the Best Western. Sure. Motel Six. <laughs> yeah. Like I always have at all times, I always have my handgun and I have about two or three other guns in my truck. When I camp and stuff, I always make sure I'm with someone else. I'm, I try to take as many precautions as sure. I can. And I think that if you act confident, no one is very prone to mess with you. And I think the fact that I, and I could be off in left field here, but I think the fact that I kind of drive like a, what I would call a D-bag truck, um, <laughs> People don't assume I'm a chick and I got tint dark enough that they can't see me. <laughs> definitely. Well, um, j- yeah, definitely just, you know, always, um, you know, always keep that in mind that there could be, could be somebody super crazy out there and just don't, um, you know, don't ever let your guard down. Just uh, make sure you're always, you know, keep that, a, you know, you certainly, nobody's, nobody's going to run around living in fear, but I would just, you know, always keep keep yourself aware, especially when you're out traveling, you know, getting out of your truck, in and out, hotels and random places. It's always good to just, you know, well, just uh, keep that in mind for sure. Because there are some, there's some crazy, crazy bastards out there. Danielle, you aren't afraid to speak your mind or call out folks, especially dudes that slide up in the DMs. If you were giving advice to a single guy trying to get a girl's attention on social media, how would you go about doing that without coming off as too thirsty or weird? Okay, I just went through this with one of my friends, and it actually worked for him. So whoever's listening to this, if you're thinking about it, you should probably write this down. Um, You don't want to come off as weird, right? And you don't want to, like, don't just send her a paragraph out of the blue. Don't say, hey, you're so pretty. Don't say, hey, don't say, what's up? Don't just don't be weird. What you got to do is you got to wait until they post like a very interesting story. And then you want to swipe up. Don't react to it. That's too blim. We're not going to respond to that. You want to swipe up and acknowledge what's going on and leave the conversation to where they're going to want to respond to you kind of deal. You don't want to seem desperate. You want to seem friendly and just go from there. And it really works for him. I mean, he got her Snapchat in the first five minutes. So that's awesome. That's what I would advise. So you're saying, you're saying, even if you're not interested, you may be interested in the girl. So you're just kind of, kind of baiting them into it. So some girl says, you know, Danielle, no, I'm I'm just going to use your example, not saying to do this with Danielle, but say, you know, Danielle, she says, Hey guys, go check out this new mule deer shirt that we got dropping this artwork so badass and then you kind of check it out you look at the design maybe you slide up and you say that's a really really cool design i think that would look awesome you know not only in the field but casually so nice work on that maybe something just like just that and then you say hey thank you no i really appreciate that and you know maybe maybe they really did care about the design this is just example but maybe Maybe they just said that they didn't care a thing about it, but then you naturally being a, you know, kind appreciative person running a business and you want to have, um, you know, good customers, customer, uh, interaction support and, and give your feedback. You say, thank you. I really appreciate it. Our, our artist did a wonderful job on that. And you're just, that's just kind of basically, a it's on a T at that point for you to respond and 
carry on the conversation. And then, you know, you never know, you get five, six, seven exchanges back and forth and um, you've, you've made a little bit of progress without having to come out goofy and be like, Hey, what's up girl? Can I get your Snapchat? So that's not going to work. It's just, I don't know. I mean, I don't, if you're walking around Calvin Klein model, maybe, but then in the reality, they'd say, well, he's guys good looking, but he's, he's a total weirdo. So uh, he might want pictures of my hands or feet. So I'm probably going to pass on this one. And like, don't be pushy about it either. So if she, you know, doesn't respond, they have to remember too, that like, most of us have our own really busy lives and we don't honestly sit on our phones all day. So just, you know, wait for the next opportunity to slide in. Don't continue to sure. push it. Sure. Yeah. Give it time. That's what, you know, I was talking to uh, Nick. He, he always, he doesn't, he, he says he won't take my advice, but I think he does because he, he still comes back and asks me, but he's like, dude, you've been out of the game so long. Like you don't know how it works. And I'm like, look, man, I played baseball for 10 years with 80% single guys. I was like, trust me, I know what works and doesn't work. And he, I've helped him out several, several times. And he's always like, Oh dude, you're, dude, you're washed up. You know, like you're, you're out of the game. And I'm like, whatever. And I always tell him, you know, he'll start texting with a girl or, or DM and back and forth. And he's like, should I say this? I'm like, bro, chill. I'm like, don't, you already said something, man. Like, don't say anything else. I was like, he's like, but, but dude, what if it's, I'm like, oh man, just, just let it ride. You'll either let her respond back or, or, um, give it, give it a, some time. And then you can use a, a different post or something else to, to pick up from there. I'm, I'm just picking on Nick and this is, this is just guys being guys. We're traveling on the road and, you know, somebody might've like liked one of his, pics or something he's like what do i need to do here and then when i give him a response he tells me i'm washed up but then nick nick if you're listening don't lie you know you take my advice and it's worked well for you so yeah he's uh he's the best so all you single fellas there you go there's um there's a good starting point now it's all up to you not to screw it up with the girl of your dreams on the gram no pressure (laughs) Do not DM her and ask if she wants to take you hunting. Um, if we know what we're doing, we don't want to babysit you in the field. Say, so, yeah, I'll take you hunting. It's $650 a day. Yeah, you can book I'll, a I'll send you my Venmo. <laughs> in all seriousness, these days, it, it's important to possess skills to approach people comfortably over the Internet. And we were talking about it earlier, not just for women, but just in general, because this is life as we know it now if your tone looks wrong or verbiage is off you might get passed up by a potential employer a huge opportunity don't be weird know your limits never be too comfortable and i'm a big i'm a big emoji girl like i think that i hate texting for the pure reason that it can be interpreted so many ways even with companies like my companies i work with they just know me i'm big on the emojis i always lighten the mood I'm big about expressing what you're actually saying versus just typing like, you know, I mean, emails are different, professional emails Sure. on social media. I'm all about using the extra little help I can get. Yeah. I mean, it's tone is so hard to read through messages and 
the way you typed it could be perceived completely different by the person that's receiving it. So nothing wrong with emojis. I think, I mean, I use them quite a bit. They, uh, you know, like you said, probably not going to use them in a professional email, but if you're chatting it up with somebody online, you know, and it's, you know, something that may not be able to read the tone or see if you're joking or you're serious. Cause sometimes you might send a joke and somebody's like, wow, that was, I was forward or something like that. But if you're joking, they wouldn't think that they'd just be like, ah, oh, this guy's got a pretty good sense of humor. So, um, I don't think anything wrong with emoji. Danielle, what do you have planned over the spring and summer? Are you going to be chasing any turkeys or fishing or anything? I am. So far, I have my Wisconsin turkey tag at the end of April that I'm going to fill. Hopefully, I'll fill it. And then I think for my birthday in May, I'm going to go back out to Idaho and bear hunt again. And then usually in the summer, I'll stick around home more here in southwest Wisconsin and work on the clothing company a little more and stuff and get the new designs ready for this fall and then I live right on the river so I do a lot of bass fishing and usually I go down to Texas a couple times to go bow fishing and bass fishing down there okay. might take a couple offshore trips if I'm feeling it I kind of live day to day week to week with yeah. what I decide to do definitely how old are you going to be Danielle you said your birthday's coming 24 up in May. 24 all right. Getting up there. Yeah. Well, I'm 33, so I'm I'm uh, starting to feel s- super old because now my little boy is playing t-ball on the same fields that I grew up playing on. So this stuff coming full circle happened really, really, really fast, almost too fast. So <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, I'm getting old. What is your favorite place you have visited? as well as your favorite game animal in the world to pursue? So my favorite place I've ever been is Idaho. I love Idaho. There's not very many people in Idaho. So there's a lot to hunt. It's just a good vibe. And I used to, my favorite thing used to be hunting whitetail because that's what I've always done, you know, growing up in the Midwest. But the last four years, it's really changed to mule deer. I cannot get enough of mule deer is all I literally think about. Huh. I've never hunted mule deer. I love bow hunting, but I just don't have much time these days because our travel starts rock and rolling with die bomb and mid August doesn't slow down until mid March, but every once in a while I'll get the Matthews out and sling a few. What uh what do you what kind of bow you shoot? Um I was shooting the Matthews Holland five. Okay. And I just upgraded to the Matthews Prima because my um my Helen blew up on a 180 inch mule deer in the grasslands. Yeah. Did you cry? <laughs> Did you shed any tears after that? Oh, my first time I cried in a long time. Oh gosh, that's heartbreaking. I lost a big old crappie the other day, and I'm I like not literally was going to cry, but I can't imagine a 180 inch mule deer. I'm talking about three pound fish. Jeez. Yeah. And all the work that goes into it to get to that spot, to draw and back on something like that. That's pretty, that's disheartening. It was my 27th day of hunting and I was hunting some pretty tough country on public land. It's all open, you know, and people were like messaging me, asking me why I was even finding deer like that because they live there and have never seen them that big before. So, I, uh-huh. you know, I took that, boosted my, gave me a little bit of a big headway for a little bit. That's great. And, um, 
I finally had the opportunity and I drew my bow back at 47 yards and from crawling down to him, I had a piece of grass that got struck between my string and my can and my bow exploded and I had a mental breakdown and then I left the field, paid some guy under the table $100 to put my half broke string back on and went back out there and glassed him up the next morning. Huh. You got to get back on that horse. Got to yeah, get get bucked off. You got to get back on. What? Nobody else is going to feel sorry for you. I mean, I guess, yeah, you know, being, you know, being a cute girl, people are going to feel sorry for you. But th- that that ain't going to put that deer uh, on the ground for you. People, you know, giving you sympathy and feeling sorry for you. So, kudos to I, you. I like to say what's the difference between hunters and what I like to call grinders. Um, I mean, you, you know, you got your people that go a couple times and they give up if something bad happens and you got the people who don't know when to quit (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm a i would definitely qualify as a grinder in the waterfowl category but when it comes to uh, turkeys or whitetail i would definitely qualify as a fair weather hunter i want to go out and uh you know, Katie, give him a hard time. You know, he's been getting his ass whooped in Mississippi for like the last, I don't know, a week or more. He's a, he's a turkey, true turkey grinder, you know, Easterns, you know, there's no, no uh, turkeys anywhere more difficult than the ones he's chasing. And he's, he's just getting after it. He's like, dude, you want to come out here with me? And I'm like, heck no, there is no, dude, if I go turkey hunting, I want to, I want to kill one. Same thing with deer hunting. Like I can sit on the stand, but I better have something good on my camera worth going out for. I'm like the most fair weather hunter outside of waterfowl. Now, when it comes to crappie fishing, I I would consider myself a I'm pretty hard up for that, but I'm pretty dang fair weather when it comes to those others. I was supposed to go actually to Wisconsin last spring um, before all the COVID stuff started. I think Janesville around Janesville might have been the area. Um, a guy. Uh, named Tanner Deegan that won a hunt with us. He went to Ontario with us um, in the fall with Ryan Reynolds at Apex Waterfowling. And I was, you know, talking to him how, you know, playing baseball my whole life, I'd never killed a turkey. He's like, dude, come up here. I'll, you know, put you on one. I applied, you know, got the tag and everything. And then all the COVID stuff happened and um, that never happened. But I'm definitely not a grinder once, you know, once waterfowl season is over when it comes to turkeys, but poor old Kate out there, he's he's still giving her hell. Hopefully he he connects eventually, but uh he's gotten he's gotten pretty quiet the last week or week or more. So I know he's it ain't going so good because if it was, I know old Cub Scout would be sending over pictures. So I know it uh it hadn't been very good. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh that's right. He's he's out there. He's giving them hell though. Um props to him i just you know after waterfowl season killing ourselves traveling around I, I love chasing crappie and then i love um inshore fishing you know i love chasing redfish so much fun i go down to louisiana and i can really really get after that but some of that other stuff i'm certainly not the most knowledgeable i'm asking Caden <clears throat> kyle questions all the time about turkeys and our kind of running joke is has been um whenever we've really been grinding, you know, we're on a long stretch or it's late in the season and 
you know, in the morning, the alarms will go off and somebody will always be like, man, I think I'm going to stay on the limb this morning or or I'm going to stay in the roost. So that's kind of been the uh, kind of, which nobody does, but that's kind of been the ongoing joke is like, it'll be dark in a room alarm goes off and people are like, Hey, get up, man. Or let's go. We got to meet at a certain time. It's like, man, I'm not flying down from the limb this morning, man. Y'all are going to have to go without me. I'm going to stay in the roost. So that's kind of been fun, but I'm always asking those guys turkey questions and striking them up. And because honestly, I, you know, I see, you know, I see these guys go out and, you know, out West and they set decoys and all that stuff. And that's not really, I don't, that's not really, that ain't really my, I don't think that would be my thing. I would probably do it once to shoot one, but you know, you got these turkeys, you got these decoys and you're just out and you go find them and are fanning them and stuff. It's like, yeah, to experience it once maybe, but you know, these guys that are chasing these Easterns, these are, that's separating the men from the boys when it comes to turkey hunting, chasing those Easterns in the hills. Cause that is, that's, that's no joke that, that Dave Owens guy, he's freaking unbelievable. And up here in Wisconsin, we have Easterns and I have friends who will go out and spend their whole week of their season, you know, trying to uh, them at night, get under there, call them in the morning. It ain't for me. My attention span is about 25 seconds of turkeys. I like to see them in the field, reap them quick, and go home. See, I could – if that's what I said. When I killed my first turkey, I said, I, I don't want to go grind for an Eastern. Like, I want to go – I, I want to kill one. Like, I want to go out and I want to kill one. I'm not really trying to chase an Eastern on public ground for a week. But I, no. I respect – you know, I respect the hustle. Um, I just – He's like, man, it'll change your life. I'm telling you. And I'm like, man, I just, maybe it would. I don't know. But I just, if I get a beautiful day, I want to go fishing. And um, aside from that, we've just, we've got so much going with dive bomb and administrative stuff. People just think off season and you're not doing stuff. It's like, man, I have to work. I have to spend way more time doing administrative stuff this time of year than I do in the actual in season. I mean, this is this is real growing season. This is where you're forecasting your, your ideas and everything that you're doing now is what comes to fruition come waterfowl season. So you know, a lot of people don't understand that even with like me, you know, they think just because we're out on the road, we're not working, but the only difference oh, is gosh. Work from you got to, and you're dog ass tired while you're doing it. You know, you didn't sleep in till, you know, eight o'clock and go get on the computer. You, you know, you're going on nothing, but you still have a job to do while you're on the road. So it, it certainly never stops. I had a couple of girls the other week. Uh, I went on a girl's trip against my better instinct, just a vacation trip. And they got mad at me for working while we were out there. And they told me that I didn't know what it was like to have a big girl job and that they work harder than me because they get up at 9 a.m. every day and I couldn't help but laugh. I mean, Woo. I was just yesterday. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, um, you know, the way the way I see it is, you know, I, I love my job. I have the ability to work remotely. You know, I'm, I'm doing this podcast from my office at my house right now, but it does come with the trade-off. And the trade-off is being available all the time. I'm telling you, you can get a hold of Dive Bomb Industries 365 days a year. We are 
available. Now, now that doesn't mean that somebody's going to, you know, answer right away a phone call on Mm -hmm. Christmas day or something like that. But if you send a DM, you send a text, you send an email, like you are going to get a hold of us because our guys working remotely, they understand that there is a trade-off that comes with being able to work at home. And, you know, are we going in and working, you know, eight, 10 hours a day, Monday through Friday? No, but we more than make that up um, on, you know, evenings, you know, we're not working. We don't get to four o'clock and say, oh, okay, you know, we're clocking out for the day. I'll see you tomorrow. It's like, no, I don't work like that. If, if something comes through at 11 or 12 o'clock at night or two o'clock in the morning and I wake up and see it, probably going to handle it. Same for weekends, same for holidays. There's no, hey, can I be off this week? It don't work like that. No, and stuff like that, too, you know, no matter, even if you're on vacation, it's not vacation because you're still always thinking about content. Right. A lot like how my head works. I try to take full advantage of everywhere new I go, you know, so you have different stuff to work with all the time. That's the way I look at it. The way I I see it is that our competitors, whether they're not or they are, it doesn't matter. The way I see it is they're constantly trying to make themselves better and they're trying to get better. And if I'm not, somebody's going to pass us up. So yep. I won't allow that to happen. My competitive nature, my background, I don't I don't like being second place. I don't like being beat at anything, although I'm not the best at everything. I'm certainly going to try to learn to be the best version of that I can for myself, even though I might never reach the level of others. That's what you know I may aspire to be, whether it's marketing or, you know, or, um, you know, product design and development, customer service, friendliness, professionalism. I don't care. There's people that are going to beat me in all those categories, but if I can find a way to be good in all of them, then that's what I'm going to try to do. So what, Danielle, you know, earlier you talked about you were guiding, um, where were you guiding? What were you guiding? I guided, I started out guiding mule deer in West Texas, and then we do, you know, a little bit of varmint here and there. Okay. And then I guided in New Mexico for a little bit, and I was supposed to guide this year in Idaho for mountain lions, but thanks to COVID, that all got shut down. So I've just kind of been doing my clothing stuff, and I don't honestly know if I want to go back to guiding at this point just because now I'm you know before I was kind of doing it because I got to travel the world on you know someone else's dime and I was hunting but Mm -hmm. not a shooter and then um now I can kind of I'm able to just go do whatever I want by myself (laughs) yeah you know that mountain line you talk about mountain line that looks so cool you know that's something where you know other than some brief clips and pictures I've seen you know I'll wouldn't know where to start. I, I wouldn't have a clue. I'd have to go with somebody that knew what they were doing and, you know, had the right dogs. But it looks like what a lot of these guys do, and I may be wrong, <clears throat> but it looks like they wait on a huge snow, you know, out in like Montana or, you know, Idaho or Wyoming, whatever. It looks like they're waiting on a huge snow and then they're driving these, you know, these back roads and then they look for uh, cat tracks coming across the road. And it looks like they're releasing the, 
the hounds and let them do their thing. I mean, it looks pretty wild. I don't even know if that's accurate, but just based on following people's stories and stuff, it looks kind of like that's what's going on, at least in the winter. And because I'll see people like winter, man, I can't wait for this huge snow, huge snow. And I'm thinking, what is it with this huge snow? And then I start putting the piece together. I'm like, okay, they're driving these back roads late at night or early in the morning, whenever finding these cat traps and they're treeing them. I actually, what I grew up doing here is hound hunting for uh, raccoons and stuff. That's a fun fact about me that this is the first time I'm ever saying it on social media or live. I have the biggest obsession with small game hunting, but you would never know it. That's interesting. I wouldn't have, maybe you need to share a little bit more of that stuff. Let people, what, what are, what are some of your hobbies outside of hunting and fishing that, that, folks may not know about no i don't know if i have any hobbies outside of that no. I guess driving you know? i'm kind of the same way i yeah i can't think of just a lot of stuff that i just you know obviously have kids and i love uh you know playing outside with them and introducing them to all the you know fun things that dad likes but um i don't know i guess anything outdoors i'm all in you know i love Hunting, fishing, sports. I mean, I love all sports. I mean, if you get me on a beach, I'd love to play volleyball. If you get me on a court, I'd love to shoot hoops. But get me outside of hunting, fishing, and sports. I, you know, I'm pretty hard pressed myself to yeah, to think of really... something. I'm not really big on like putting puzzles together, or uh, <laughs> that I just don't have anything weird. I don't want to call that weird. That's not weird. That's you know, a lot of people find that enjoying and therapeutic. But I don't have anything like that that I can think of that I just I don't have the free time to do that stuff, to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, when I have free time, I usually either go hunting or fishing. If I'm right. <laughs> You're going to do your favorite hobbies. You're not going to spend it on, uh, on these, uh, these, these low rent hobbies. So I get it. Right. I totally get it. I get or it. I just make money so I can go. Hunting. That's right. That's right. I heard that. Danielle, you going to be able to make it down for the dive bomb squad fest weekend, June 11th and 12th in St. Louis this summer. I can write it down and make sure I'm there. You ought to try to come. It's uh, it's going to be a blast. A lot of uh, top-notch industry folks are going to be there. It's going to be fun. You should you should try to plan on being there. If um, if Cody's best friend Dave will be there, I'll make sure I'm there. Dave Worth? Yep, I love Dave. Oh, he'll be there, 100%. Dave, no doubt about it, Dave. I need to see Dave. I um, We need to go do some some fishing, fly fishing or something. I haven't seen him in a little bit, probably since this fall. But Dave's awesome. He's great. I will never forget. Did you meet Dave and Sumner? Yeah. They came down the night after I shot my buck. and We were at the bar there in Sumner. I love Sumner. Great town. And Dave looked at me after a few drinks and he said, do you know how far the closest KFC is? I said, I don't know, 100 miles. He goes, 199. So I looked at him a little puzzled. He goes, I have mashed potatoes and gravy in the truck. And I'll be damned if he didn't go back to the lodge and warm up his mashed potatoes and gravy. <laughs> and I've never seen anyone so happy. Oh, man. That is too funny. Dave is, he is awesome. <laughs> He's a he definitely is. Well, Danielle, that's, that's about all I got. Is there anything you want to add or touch on that we've talked about today that may help or encourage someone uh maybe help them make it further in this industry so i will end it with 
my best advice that I try to stress so much is when you're looking at people on Instagram, do not be jealous of the life that they live. Instead, step back and think of how you could make that happen for yourself. I mean, I didn't start out with my parents don't pay for all my stuff. You know, I had to get to where I am on my own. And I think a lot of people make excuses as to why they can't live a certain life because we've been conditioned to believe that you have to have a nine to five or you have to go to college or you have to do this and that. But if you really want something, just want it bad enough to make it happen. I think that's good advice. I think that, uh, you know, life is short and there's a, a quote that talks about the dash between the year of your birth and the year of your death. And it talks about how you spend that dash. And, you know, that dash for some is very long. Some it's very short, but the quality of it is the most important thing. So if you find yourself stuck in a situation where you're miserable or you're not happy with whatever it may be, you know, try to start finding a way, take the necessary steps, consult with the necessary individuals to see how you can change your situation or make the best of your situation. So Mm -hmm. I think that's good advice. I think um, don't be afraid to reach out to others. You kind of are what you surround yourself with. If you want to surround yourself around people who are stuck in life, you're probably going to be stuck in life. And if you branch out and surround yourself with people that are always striving for the next next piece of success, you're going to be more motivated to do that as well. I agree. That's great advice. You are definitely going to become who you associate with. There's just no doubt about it. You're going to be more successful if you surround yourself with driven people. So We're all going to die. you got to live your life how you want to live it. That's right. <laughs> Well, Danielle, I appreciate you uh, taking your time to join me today, and uh, I hope you have an enjoyable off-season, if you want to call it that, and we look forward to keeping up with all your adventures. Uh, Thanks for having me today. (laughs) All right, Danielle. Thank you. We'll talk to you. Danielle Halverson, ladies and gentlemen, she's an entertaining follow. I have seen her let folks have it in those Instagram stories. As always, be sure to follow along on our social media channels. Don't forget to mark your calendars for Squad Fest weekend, June 11th and 12th. You don't want to miss it. Y'all get outside and enjoy some of this beautiful weather. Until next time, y'all be good. Thank you for listening to the Dive Bomb Squadcast.